All right, Wendy, we are rejoining our conversation with Sabre Chapman and Scott Liu. Last time, I believe, we ended with a cliffhanger. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I think everybody is dying to know the answer to the question, how do we reconnect to our purpose? All right. Well, let's listen in. You ready? I'm ready. Hey, though. Yes. Word, word of warning, if you haven't listened to part one of this conversation, you may feel lost and confused. <laughs> yeah. So part one, this is part two and action. Mm-hmm. So reconnecting to that purpose, I mean, how important do you think this is to have that connection to your purpose because it gets a little funky during um, challenging times that connection to your purpose can get sort of if not fully disconnected Mm -hmm. weakened right how important is it that we reconnect to why we're in this this business of educating children if if my if i'm a sixth grade math teacher and i went into this with for the purpose of really turning kids on to math Mm-hmm. Um, and I can get enough of that, even with the, the flack and the resistance and the change, <laughs> then I can probably stay connected to my purpose. But if it shifts to where I don't get enough of those moments where I'm connecting with kids, seeing kids have the light bulb go on, um, and seeing, you know, and feeling that, that tangible connection to what I, what I want to be doing, seeing it happen, if I feel like I'm uh, managing late work, and makeup work, mm-hmm. and how am I going to, uh, you know, get this kid to pass my class, and I, I'm managing other ancillary tasks, uh, and that snows under my, uh, my, my connection to my purpose, right. then I think I've got a rub. That, that goes back to that cost-benefit mm-hmm. analysis. Am I, am I close enough to my purpose that this is tenable and sustainable for me, right? And for some people, it's not, because mm-hmm. there are too many things that drag them away from the reasons, their intentions, the reasons they went into this work, or a high school counselor who really wanted to connect with kids in their, you know, formation into adults, uh, and wanted to connect with kids over mental health, over relationships, and really meet them uh, at their point of need. If they feel like they're credit counting and in credit <laughs> recovery mode, mm-hmm. and how are we going to get you to graduate? And they feel like they're they're really kind of like, um, you know, academic coaches, and they're not connected to their purpose enough to counsel and meet with kids and support kids and really connect deeply, then that might challenge their purpose and their sustainability in the job. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you should say that because when I came to the district in 1992, um, there was, I think, there must have been some shift going on in the guidance department. And that same topic was I don't have time to be a counselor because it and we were still doing GPAs by hand I mean you really it was it was <laughs> intense but but you know it just listening to to Scott talk it brought back that's you know, it's it's been around for a long time. I think now we've poked that button on the treadmill a few more times, but um, it's it's been a dilemma if you come in with an anticipation of something, and then and it may start that way, or you have that expectation, and and you have trouble getting that connected, what you want to do and what you're able to do. 
Do you have recommendations for how people might use their summer to care for themselves, heal from this unusual couple of years, Mm -hmm. and ready themselves for another year of educating kids? I, I do. I have a couple thoughts. Um, so, so one, I would say take a little bit of time once the school year ends and don't, you know, ju- immediately jump into things. Kind of let the dust settle, you know, get, get a few breaths, do something uh, or nothing to kind of, uh, you know, get mm-hmm. your wind. Uh, and then maybe two or three weeks in, uh, have some intention. Um, and, and, you know, we're all different in how we, how we process information. If you're uh, if you can internally process in your own mind, great. If you want to externally process with a friend or a colleague, maybe that's the way to go. If you want to externally process with a journal, put things on paper, um, have some intention towards what it was you experienced this year. Oh, what went well? Mm-hmm. What did I like? What were my highlights? What were the best moments? What challenged me? What was a struggle? Is there anything that I'm concerned about for next year? How would I want next year to be different? Right and, and interact with those concepts. And then after you've done that, if you haven't processed with someone else, you know, ask, who, who could I bring in on this? Who could I bounce this off of? Mm-hmm. Whether somebody in the profession or outside who cares about me, who's safe. Um, and then interact with them about it so that they know what you're thinking and what you're prepping for in regards to next year's experience. Right? I think this is a way of intentionally interacting with our lives that we can do. I love it. I think that's great. Yeah. I can't add anything to that. I think that I think that makes a whole lot of sense to use it purposefully and actually do some um, just that reflecting about what worked and what didn't and what I need to do to it to make it meaningful. Um, it, this I, I'm not sure people do that. Maybe, maybe they do. Um, it's hard to t- it's hard to just do nothing for that while because you're looking around at your house that needs <laughs> some certain attention in the summer. But I think that's wise also. Just, you know, kind of have one of those emotional raspberries where you just... <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think a lot of people would... It would resonate with them that idea about just catching your breath, you know, mm-hmm. just breathing. Um, it has been a really fast treadmill this year, um, it has, I think it was unpredictable in some ways to folks. I think they thought this year was going to be different, mm. um, based on the last, you know, year <laughs> and a half before that. And then it turned out it wasn't really different. And in some ways it was even more challenging. Right. right. Um, so just that idea to catch their breath before they begin this thoughtful reflection, I, I think that's really wise and good advice. You know, one thing that comes to my mind when we talk about the reflection, we do a lot of talk about self-care. You know, when I, when I talk to people, I, I think it's important to think what we do with our mental energy. Because when you tell people to, like, have that, that time that you do nothing, you know, something's going on in your head, you know. And people will tell me, like, I try to meditate and I can't turn it all off. Well, I don't turn it all off when I meditate. And, and I, I think it's important to recognize that what we do with our mental energy during those times that we are doing self-care, because it can go one direction where it's in the dread and resentment and you're 
play in those things or you're like okay they told me to take you know take some time for myself and I'm sitting here and I got a you know I got a half hour but I when I get done I got to do all this other stuff and these papers need to be graded you know that's not helpful <laughs> but to try to get people if you're if you can't get it turned off to channel it in a different direction and start thinking about what you want it to be and some of the things Scott was talking about what you want it to be and what you need to do to get it that way but I don't think people recognize that there's an option there unless we remind them mm -hmm. you it's know like turning your mind towards hope and envisioning mm -hmm. that there could be a change instead of feeling trapped and resentful right right the minute you start feeling stuck you're in trouble yeah. mm -hmm. if I can piggyback on that and just kind of like spotlight a few trends that, that are kind of in that domain that, that caused me a little concern. This is not just for our school school board family, but society-wise. Uh, society um, I think we are very averse to quiet, uh, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm concerned about yeah. that. Our, our always-on um, culture at the moment, it, it concerns me for people's well-being for their stamina and for remaining grounded. Um, if if we could, if like quiet was personified, it would be the kid at the lunch table eating all by itself. <laughs> no, nobody would be near that thing <laughs> um, because we work really hard to keep noise, stimulation, and distraction uh, at the forefront. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that we know that that's happening. But I think we've become, as a people, I think we've become party to it. And, we're, and I think we're averse to quiet. Or at the very least, we've kind of lost all the benefits that go with being quiet. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. knowing what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what I'm hoping for, what I'm needing, yeah. where I'm hurting. Yeah. It's hard to have a pulse on those things if I don't go get my checkup. Mm -hmm. It's hard to know what my heart rate is. If nobody's got a pulse or my blood pressure, if I don't sit down and put the cuff on. Mm -hmm. Same with, like, what's really going on inside of me. So that concerns me. And then in a similar way, um, I think uh, being sober has gone out of vogue. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little concerned with how, how much we uh, are medicating ourselves mm -hmm. yeah. as, as, uh, as a society right now. You're, you're reminding me of, I think we stole this from you, but it's the... <laughs> The healthy mind platter from yeah. Dr. Siegel and Dr. Mm -hmm. Rock. Mm -hmm. What we need for for good brain health is really a balance of those things. Yeah. Right. So as you're listening to this, you can Google <laughs> healthy, healthy mind, mind platter. platter. It's right. good stuff. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me um, how people who make a priority out of planning um, don't attend to their mental health. You know, uh, um, one of the last things I did uh, when I worked for the school board um, was a series on maintaining, taking care of your mental health. And, and I always started by asking who, who in the group got their regular checkups, you know, medical checkups, and a lot of hands would go up. And how many of you are financially planned? You know, you've planned with a planner. You've got your you're planning for retirement. You, how many of you take your car in for regular maintenance? We do those things, but we put the mental health like on the back burner. Like I'll do it when I have time. But how can you do that? Well, you have time to 
um, to do some of those other things, and yet maybe because you know we don't see ourselves falling apart like there's no little gauge like on our car i don't know uh but we don't even good planners uh, in every other area of their life lives don't take care of their mental health and we've all got it right like mental health isn't just a thing that people who have difficulty with it have we are all on this continuum of mental health just like physical health yeah, doesn't absolutely. only apply to people who have chronic issues yes. we all are concerned yeah. about our physical health yeah mm-hmm. if i can extol the benefits of being sober and quiet at the same time <laughs> uh, i want to reemphasize that that is a fantastic thing right, right. Mm-hmm. there's really nothing that i'm going to encounter in my thoughts or feelings that is, is going to put me under, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think at times we're under the illusion, knowingly or unknowingly, if I really allow what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling to, to land, I won't be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. And I have clients tell me that at times. Mm-hmm. I really try mm-hmm. not to be quiet because I don't want all those thoughts mm-hmm. to come to my the forefront, right? And, but if we do, I think we will be able to handle it. And mm-hmm. if we need somebody there to be present right. with us, then that's what we need, and that's okay too, right? Right. right? But but to continue to operate as if that part um, is too powerful to deal with, I don't think bodes well for our long-term health. And I think we're encouraged when we do, when we do let all that stuff in and we're quiet and we grapple with reality as it is, that is a great prescription for mental health, mm-hmm. right? If right. my reality is I'm struggling at home, my kids are struggling, my wife is, is after me, my boss is after me. Right. My car is on its last leg. If I'm struggling with all those things, but I don't tend to them as an as a avoidance strategy of my pain and my anxiety, um, eventually those things will catch up to me, mm-hmm. right? right? So avoidance can only last so long. Um, and right. opening myself up to reality as it is versus the reality I prefer it would be um, is a much better prescription for my mental right. and emotional and relational health. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I do too. And I and it kind of f- goes full circle back to what Sabre was saying at the beginning to give a voice to the mm-hmm. things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about uh, what's happening in our work, whether we're keeping up or not keeping right. up. But if we give a voice, even if it's just allowing ourselves to hear it inside of our own heads, to the things that are happening with us emotionally, um, then it becomes it feels more manageable and. Also, I think there's so many of us that are experiencing so many similar emotions that we won't feel so alone. And that shame that sometimes comes with Mm -hmm. what you said at the beginning, Linda, that something must be wrong with me if I'm not being able to keep up with my life or the expectations of me. But if you were to say that to me, I'd be like, dude, I feel the exact same way, (laughs) you know? And now all of a sudden I'm not ashamed of what's happening. I I feel, I don't feel alone, you know? You know, it's interesting, too, when you talk about having a voice, because anytime I say that to people, they'll say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. And so I say, well, what do you mean it didn't work? And to me, having that voice, it's it's almost more important than uh, what you're getting out. What you're getting back, we can deal with that, mm-hmm. you know, it, so when they say it doesn't work, we've got to discriminate between what we're after. It's just 
like you said, being able to say and be honest about what's going on. If I don't agree with something, I'm a good employee. I will do it. I hope it takes us where we want to go. I feel a whole lot better than if I leave just clenching my teeth because they're making me do something I don't really believe in. So it does work if if your goal is the right thing. Mm -hmm. And to me, I always tell people, Let's focus on what we're giving out and keep that consistent and keep that that valuable and an honest voice and then we'll deal with what you get back. And then we go into those communication skills. If you feel like you have to respond, we can find the right <laughs> response. Now I love that because really sort of calibrating your expectations of what what you were doing when you said that. Because most people, when, they, when they're reflecting on their voice, they think, well, nothing changed. Like, I put that, my voice out into the world, right. and nothing changed. And if that's your expectation, that something's right. going to change, uh-huh. well, then you're going to feel it disappointed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you can make it about just releasing and normalizing exactly. my emotions, then that was a huge success. Because now yeah. I'm not, I don't have any dread. Yeah. That's my point. Name, yeah. Very good. Name it to tame it, too. Yes, then yeah. I can deal with it internally, and I don't right. feel feel like I, mm-hmm. I didn't have a choice. I still have right. a choice, but I verbalize it. I'm not going to look back on it later and say, well, I never really said what I thought. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, the, the, we were talking about those old scripts before. Yeah. I can't believe how many people tell me I don't do conflict. Oh. And I'm thinking... Wouldn't it be easier kind of just to learn to do conflict in the right way? <laughs> Life could be yeah. a lot easier if you just kind of learn because if you don't do conflict, people who tell me that, I can tell you their resentment level is high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I think of that on a continuum, right? On one end is sort of passive pleaser. On the other end is aggressive. <laughs> so I feel like if I don't, if I'm not going to be this, that I'm going to be exactly, this. and it takes some explaining. It's the to middle people. ground. There's an assertive thing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and, it's hard. And being able, sometimes being able to just say and focus on what you're giving out, it, it takes care of any need to do conflict because you, you've expressed your opinion, and if you have the right perspective, you're working for an employer that does dictate what you what they want you to focus on. You don't really need to do conflict, but if people are, you know, if people are really challenging you, or or you you really feel like something needs to be different for safety reasons or ethical reasons or those kind of things to not say anything, it's hard to live without resentment when you're in that kind of situation. Yeah, boundaries, setting mm-hmm. boundaries mm-hmm. is is hard. Mm-hmm. It's it lot gets easier once there. you learn <laughs> how to how to use your mouth strategically. Yes, right. yes. Yeah. We've been talking about um, this sort of what people are carrying that discontent, that disconnect, and first of all, getting real with yourself about it. Where am I? Getting quiet with yourself, um, and then also that that kind of lends itself to not feeling disconnected because if I can share it with people that are in my circle, Mm -hmm. then I see myself mirrored. I'm not alone. Um, There's social support, and then there's also another level of support. Scott, do you want to talk about the EAP program and what's available? Sure, absolutely. Um, So the Employee Assistance Program is available to all Pasco County employees, regardless of their insurance status. Um, and also their dependents, their household dependents. 
Uh, so that can include children up to age 26 who are dependent on their on the employee. Um, it's very easy, uh, a 24 hour a day, 365 a day, uh, years, days a year uh, phone mm-hmm. number exists for uh, employees to call to have a very brief conversation, five minutes or less, to receive an authorization for a counselor and the counselors, uh, connecting with the counselor is more, is easier than ever. The flexibility options uh, abound and I think are, are always going to be that way going forward. Uh, we have brick and mortar offices in the four counties, uh, Pasco, Hillsborough, Pinellas, and Hernando. And uh, a lot of those uh, providers uh, became accustomed to doing online through the pandemic. And many of them, if not most of them, uh, continue to offer that as an option so people can go see a counselor um, or can do it from their uh, work site or from their home via computer. They can also do uh, digital therapy with a, a therapist through uh, BetterHelp. Also through that 800 number, you can get signed up for that. Uh, so the ways to connect with the program and to connect to professional support are easier than ever. Um, and the five sessions that are, are to uh, are the, the five sessions are to each member of the household. The employee and their insurable dependents each get five sessions per issue. Um, so that's there. Uh, let me just put in a plug for timeliness of it. Uh, reaching out to the EAP. You know, has a little bit of a corollary to reaching out to your doctor. Uh, clearly, it's a little easier work for you and your doctor to do before uh, it's a crisis mode. <laughs> it's a little easier work to do between you and your therapist if uh, it we're not in a crisis state. So things don't have to be so bad uh, that you have nowhere else to turn uh, for you to connect with the EAP. I would encourage uh, our... our employees and their dependents to do so earlier as as in the concept of preventative practice and uh, wellness maintenance versus this is crisis Mm -hmm. management. Mm -hmm. Counseling is for for things when they are dire and I have nowhere else to go. Uh, So let me just throw that out there as as a concept Mm -hmm. um, for our people to entertain in regards to the EAP. Thank you. This has been a great conversation. Um, I I hope that we've we've really covered the areas of connecting to purpose and how we might do that, how we might support one another, how we might support ourselves. Is there anything else that either one of you would like to add, or something just a a takeaway that you don't think that we've covered so far? Piggybacking on that, with you know, professional connection is great, but um, recognizing that there there is like this this parallel reality that we're experiencing, it is easier than ever for me to be connected to news, to entertainment, Mm -hmm. to people halfway around the world. So the ability for me to connect to people, content, information, experiences is more vast than ever. Um, That does not mean that I am connected at my core, meaning my personhood needs, right? And so I think that there's two things happening. We're, We're connected more broadly than ever, but also in a more shallow sense than ever. And I think our young people and, um, and adults are feeling that gap, right? And as we, I think I'm a little bit concerned as an old person um, mm-hmm. about the, the pace of transfer from, uh, you know, as the kids say, uh, you know, IRL in real life, mm-hmm. the pace of transfer from in real life experiences to the digital world that we're, that we're moving to, I think is outstripping us. I, I don't think that we're, I don't think we have a, a good pulse on 
on, on what's happening and mm-hmm. how fast it's happening and, and what we're experiencing as that as that's happening. So um, all that really is a plug for, for connections, right? Mm-hmm. And you can get some of your connections through Facebook and through Instagram and through Xbox. You can get some of your Snapchat. connections. Snapchat. <laughs> you can get some of your connections through those things. I TikTok. Don't, TikTok. Maybe even TikTok. Absolutely. I don't want to minimize those as possible real connection points. Um, but, uh, but I think that we, we are losing the, the, I guess, more traditional, um, you know, flesh and blood in mm. real time, right. genuine moments of connection in our homes, in our families, in our communities. That part, I think, chal- is challenging for me to watch, um, that we can be as connected as ever and still disconnected simultaneously. So just a plug for being intentional about our connections and ways to really feel connected to your priority relationships. If we can like redouble our efforts to do that, um, I think that will go a long ways. It does something neurologically for us when we look in each other's eyes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My probably focus at the end here is, I think you were kind of coming to yes, the end. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, a couple of things that we've said. The, um, the importance of healthy contemplation in that quiet time that Scott was talking about. Um, I don't know that a lot of growth... Um, internal growth. I don't know that a lot of that happens without contemplation and quiet time and undrugged time and those kind of things where you're really, and purposeful time where you don't go that route of worry and, and, and dread and resentment, but you go over here and think some people really are focused on the law of attraction and they try to really focus on things that they want to happen and envision, envision things that they want to happen. So I think that becomes real important, that contemplation. And the other thing, one of the things that you you guys said when we were getting ready for this was comparing this to marriage counseling. And, and uh, it clicked when Scott was talking about when we seek help because if I think of marriage counseling, uh, so many times people come, a couple will come in and one really wants marriage counseling, but the other one's ready for divorce counseling. And I think there's that fact that we don't seek help soon enough, whatever form that takes for you. It's so available with the EAP and the healthy friend group, but sometimes we don't seek help soon enough. And life doesn't have to be as hard as we make it. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing weak about seeking help. It's any more than there's something weak about going to check a mold that's changed shape. Right. You know, and so I, I think that is a certain takeaway. And the, the EAP and hands out, hands, hats off to Scott. You've grown that program, and there are so many options in it now, and it's it's broad and uh, so available to people and the people that affect our, you know, your children. I would have liked to send my kids to an EAP person, <laughs> but I, I just think seeking help soon enough. I can't drive that home enough. Great. Thank you. I, I 
I love that idea because I think that um, we sometimes get stuck on this this sense, and I think it's uh, I think Dr. Tuntio in our very first episode mm-hmm. talked about this, you know, kind of American value of grit, you know, and that we kind of get stuck in this idea of overcoming, and that somehow that makes us powerful when we can just independently overcome things. And there is something to be said about grit and, and uh, you know, internal mm-hmm. resilience, right? But part of having grit, as the, you know, wonderful Brene Brown says, is to be vulnerable. Right. And so being vulnerable also means asking for help. Yeah. And that is equally as strong and powerful and shows your strength more even than just trying to pull yourself up and say, I don't, I don't want any help and I don't need any help. I'm going to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. You actually are more powerful when you wrap people around you right. and you get so much further that way. So I It's hope interesting that because people do that thinking they sound very confident. Confident people don't say those things, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you both so much for, mm-hmm. first of all, all of your service in our county mm-hmm. and your wisdom, <laughs> bringing your expertise to the table today. Um, we feel a lot of gratitude to both of you. You're welcome. Thank you for letting us interact with the microphone. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yes. Right. This has been wonderful. It's uh, nice to be back and participating a little bit. Yeah, thank you. It's been great to talk with both of you. It feels like a long time since we've had a set chance to sit down and just talk, right? It's so right, nice. Right, So nice. And now we're all professional podcasters, so <laughs> add that and to your resume. And to you, too, for <laughs> making another help available. Uh, thank you. Wow, Linda, what a what a great conversation we had with with Scott and Sabra. Um, I knew it would be a good conversation, and it far exceeded my expectations. Well, they are just both so intelligent and kind, just really good human beings. So, what a pleasure to sit down and, and talk with them. Yeah, I feel like we could have kept talking for hours. Yes. You know, so uh, so beneficial um, all the way around. But in particular, I think they introduced some really, not just really good like concepts for us to think about, but really practical strategies that we can employ mm-hmm. as professionals, as humans, um, to really reconnect to our purpose and continue on with this journey of, of being part of the education system. For our long-term health and happiness, pursuing meaning in our work um, is more important than avoiding discomfort. That's what the research shows, and I I find that really interesting, you know, because it has been uncomfortable. The idea when she talked about being on that treadmill and it being just turned up over time, this has been tiring. You know, one of the things Scott talked about was the he was focusing on this idea that we... um, we're uncomfortable in some regard to silence, to being silent, to being sober and silent, mm-hmm. to really being quiet with ourselves. But there is nothing really inside ourselves that we can't handle. And this is a, a time when we can slow down during the summer and pause and get right with ourselves. Yeah. So we hope that anyone out there who is listening towards uh, the end of a school year, that you do have the opportunity to take some time to catch your breath, reflect a little bit. Maybe, as Scott suggested, you don't do anything for the first couple of weeks of, of vacation. 
And we hope the end of your school year goes as smoothly as possible. Well, Wendy, we have come to the end of our first season of our podcast, Being the Change. It's kind of hard to believe that we made it through our whole first season. That's right. We This first season, what the heck is going on in education? That was the question that we posed to ourselves and to, uh, to our guests. And we had some wonderful guests join us from Dr. Tuntia, who gave us that sociological lens to look at the pandemic and its effects on educators. Yeah, and then we um, brought in uh, Todd Clough to talk about what factors were already present um, in education and with educators that were perhaps exacerbated um, or revealed by the pandemic. He helped us think about how do we as educators in the system ride that wave that comes with all of those uh, changes from a legislative um, level. Right, and adapting. So education requires so much flexibility and how difficult it has been prior to the pandemic to be flexible and then how almost impossible it became during the pandemic to maintain that level of flexibility. And then we brought in Scott Liu and Sabre Chapman. Yeah. So we talked about what all this means for our educators and how to really reconnect to our purpose, get back to the gym or (laughs) back on the treadmill if we're up for it. Right, with Sabra's uh, metaphor for what's been going on. Yeah, that was really, um, I think, a great way to caption what what we've been experiencing. Um, Even when we talked about that idea that when the treadmill is going at a pace that we can manage, we again, we can kind of reintroduce that flexibility. We can talk to people while we're on that treadmill walking. Uh-huh. We can do other things. But when that treadmill gets turned up, we almost have to just completely focus on the task of staying on the treadmill rather than being able to do all of the other things that really make that whole experience in the gym enjoyable. So Scott's recommendation on how we spend our summer and kind of get to that place of reflection, thinking about what we'd like to change, reconnecting to that purpose. Maybe we'll come up with some ideas to turn down the dial on the treadmill ourselves. Yeah, that, that I thought was great advice. And I really hope that um, we can, you and I, Linda, that we can, <laughs> we can um, adhere to that advice. And I hope that our colleagues and our friends out there in our, our school communities, that they can do it as well. So season one, it's a wrap. <laughs> and next season, what is going to be our topic, Wendy? Uh, we are going to um, bring in some guests to address the um, concept that the struggle is real. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. How can we manage our own stress response when those around us are struggling, students, parents, other staff, um, How do we manage ourselves? How do we take care of ourselves? What are some practical ways we can address dysregulation? Yeah, I think the next season we'll be talking a lot about how um, our best laid plans can kind of be thwarted by crisis, by unexpected events, by students whose externalizing behaviors kind of get in our way of doing the work we want to do. And so how do we manage 
through all of those things and still keep ourselves grounded. This is going to be fun. I want to have these conversations now. I I don't want to wait till next year. I know. (laughs) I know. But alas, we must wait until next year. Yes. Well, next year as in a few months from now. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. Um, it's, It's been great, and we look forward to next season. This is Linda Hughes. This is Wendy Belfield. Sending you our gratitude for being the change that's needed in our world. And wishing you a healthy mind and a happy heart. Like and subscribe.